You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Yes, a YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet. Get an isolation with the with the linebacker. He's on the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, to drive down on the first man to his inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. You can text us, 865-658-5824. We're going old school tonight, rolling solo. May have a couple people jump on. We'll see what happens. But we got a bunch of content to get to, a bunch of information to cover. Um, Man, I was just kind of going through the chat and seeing all the coaching moves and things like that. Obviously, uh, Pete Carroll. Um, was stepped down, was fired. Uh, there was rumors he was going to be in the front office. You heard his presser today. It sounded like he's probably going to continue to coach. Um, really, really interesting across the uh, the entire football landscape, really. Nick Saban, I think they just said he announced he's retiring, so that opens up that vacancy. Some people are already saying maybe Mike Vrabel goes to Bama. Um, man, it's, uh, it's going to be a wild offseason. I'm just sitting here going, please, for God's sake, let's just wait another two weeks. Let's wait till the Packers don't have any football to play, then have all this news break, right? So I'm going to try to stay away from it as much as I can and just key in on the Packers and the Cowboys here this evening. We will go to the chat real quick. Chris N. in the house says, Rasheed Walker, the number six offensive tackle in the NFL by PFF grade between week nine through 18. The only better tackles, Panay Sewell, Braden Smith, Tyrone, uh, Tyron Smith, Caleb McGarry, Trent Williams, that's it. So what is that? One, two, three, four, five, just five tackles that are better than Rasheed Walker being the number six offensive tackle in the NFL by PFF grade between week nine and 18. You know, I'm trying not to get my hopes up, Chris, but we may have the left tackle of the future. You know, it's such an important position. You still got to swing at it. And I'm not saying you have to swing in the first round, but you've got to try to continue to bolster that position room on your roster because it's that important of a position. Um, I know some people are, are kind of throwing around the idea that Bach won't be back. I personally think there's a decent chance he will be back, obviously not under the $40 million cap hit. Uh, that will be adjusted if, adjusted if he does come back. Um, there's a chance that he bucks on him and says, no, I'm, I'm going to take uh, every every dollar that I've earned and he may go somewhere else, right? That could be the case too. Uh, I don't know how much of a market will be there for someone who hasn't really played consistent football in two years, so that plays a factor. Same thing kind of comes into play with uh, with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. You know, I think Aaron Jones will be here for the long haul. I think he'll restructure again. A.J. Dillon, if he does test the market, you know, recent history kind of suggests there's not going to be much of a market there. So, uh, but yeah, it's pretty cool about Rasheed Walker for sure. Let's let's hope he continues, right? And uh, there was some there were some clips of him, especially in run blocking, 
from last Sunday's matchup against the Bears. Whoo, looked like an absolute dog. Paul Robertson in the chat said, very curious how the Packers approach the 2024 draft. They could go so many ways. It's so it's so true, Paul. Um, I think you got to start. The draft always starts and ends with the most premier positions. That's quarterback, left tackle, edge defender, and now I think, honestly, that interior defensive line. And it seems the, the Packers front office seems to agree with that. So don't be surprised if they dip into one of those positions again. Uh, for sure. Eric Sutherland in the house says, Paul, the safety and corner class are deep. I'm hoping they grab a couple of each early. O-line is pretty good this year also. Um, safety to me has got to be at the top of the list. If you look at this roster outside of the premier positions, that's got to be the one that you go, that in center. That in center has got to be the uh, the top of the uh, top of the list for the uh, for the Green Bay Packers. Um Safety has just been so bad, man. It's been so bad. And, you know, Jonathan Owens at time, he's, he's you know, kind of did the best he can considering he was one of the lowest graded safeties in the league last year. But you just got to – you got to have that guy in the middle of the field, man, that's just a playmaker. You got to have that that Ed Reed top, that Nick Collins top, um, that Troy Palomalo, although he played in the box quite a bit too. He could still patrol center field. You see when the Packers played him in the Super Bowl, their plan was to keep him – playing that, you know, that deep safety down the middle of the field so they could take away some of those slamps, some of those slants, some of those crossers. Um, you know, the greatest defenses in the history of the game, they've got good safety play. It's that simple. It really is. So uh, hopefully they do dip into that. We're going to have plenty of time to talk about the draft on down the road, that's for sure. Doug in the chat says, hey, crazy day in football. Uh, Outkick just tweeted that Nick Saban was retiring. Coaches from all over are flying into Tuscaloosa to get kids to enter the portal. My gosh, crazy time. So think about this. I know it isn't a college football podcast, but this stuff, it does play a role in the NFL. And this is the wild, wild west when it comes to college football right now because we don't, you know, it, it's such a it's such a young system with the NIL stuff and the transfer portal becoming more and more active every year. We don't really know how it's going to play out. Imagine these kids that committed to Nick Saban, right? And this isn't the knock Nick Saban. If anyone's earned the right to retire, my God, it's him. He's, what, 72 years old now? Um, so these kids, they committed to Nick Saban, and now all of a sudden he's retiring. You know they got to step back and go, do I really want to go to Bama? You know, the guy who recruited him, he's not going to be there. So now you got all these coaches flying in trying to get these kids, hey, you should come here. We'll give you this much money. We'll give you that much money. Um it's just wild, man. Wild time to think of college football, and I'm glad. I'm glad that the the, uh, the players are getting paid finally. That's just me personally. Um, United Bates says Pete Carroll done too as head coach at least. Yeah, they started throwing that around, didn't they? Uh, Bates, where it was it was almost like, oh no, he's going to be in the front office, and then his press conference hit, and I went, I don't know, man. That sounds that sounds a lot like Pete might be uh, still wanting to coach. So almost like they kind of forced him out, if you will. So. Uh, I'm with you, Dennis. It it it, uh, it blew my mind, too. He said, I cannot believe Saban retired. You just didn't see that one coming. But, you know, that's how the greats do it, right? Remember Barry Sanders? Barry Sanders was just gone and went to England. Like, the heck with this. I'm just disappearing. Um, maybe that's how Saban kind of rides off in the sunset. You just don't, you don't hear from him for a couple of years. But uh, really, uh, really like Nick Saban, like everything he uh, he represents, that old school style of coaching but if you guys would hit that like button for us so other Packer fans can find this channel find this content we appreciate y'all hanging out with us this evening let's get into some Packers talk real quick man first things first I'm gonna kill the camera so you guys don't have to stare at my ugly mug all night um pretty cool stuff you guys know Jordan Love won uh offensive player of the week NFC offensive player of the week for the second time in a row so Ryan Wood tweeted out at by Ryan Wood for the second straight week, Packers quarterback Jordan Love is the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. This guy is this guy's rise is meteoric, meteoric right now. And then he went on to say, Jordan Love the past two weeks with the Packers in must-win mode against their two biggest rivals, obviously the Vikings on New Year's Eve and then the Bears last week. 51 of 65, 572 yards. I can't help but laugh. Five touchdowns, zero interceptions. 128.97 rating. Now back to back NFC offensive player of the week. Love is just playing his best ball, man. There's no doubt about it. Uh, got some good news on the injury front today, in my opinion. Um, Rob Domofsky tweeted out a video, and in the background, you can kind of see what he's talking about. He said, That's Romeo Dobbs way off in the distance, putting his helmet on. Other notable participants in stretch were Christian Watson, AJ Dillon, and Isaiah McDuffie. 
It's just a lot jog through top session today that is scheduled for about 55 minutes. So they had kind of a light practice today, more of a jog through. And it sounds like Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs were both back. Uh, they were originally saying A.J. Dillon. I think that might have changed later on. We'll hit on it here in a little bit. Matter of fact, I could probably just pull up the injury report. Uh, but uh, Isaiah McDuffie back, too, that could be huge for the Packers as well. Although Devondre Campbell, in my opinion, looked better last week. He looked he looked healthier for sure. Um, Ryan Schlitt from uh, from Packernet Podcast actually tweeted this out, said, just dawned on me. It's actually, uh, you know, uh, yeah, Dr. Phil doing the shocked look right on the, on the gift there said, just dawned on me. Watson and Melton haven't been on the field at the same time. And then Jen, Wright, uh, right here, uh, always in here in the chat, uh, you know, contributing to the show said, can you imagine four, three speed times two? Imagine like, imagine the jet sweeps, right. And imagine a team trying to game plan for that. And that's the other thing too. You know, when you play a team like the Dallas Cowboys, who plays a, a ton of man coverage. I think they play the second most man coverage in the league, right? Um, you're really, really vulnerable to those jet sweeps. How many times you see them use quick motion and the cornerback is two or three yards behind the wide receiver and getting to the spot? We've seen it with Jai last week, right? Played a lot of man coverage last week, and, and we got burnt a couple explosives because Jai was having to run back and forth across the field. So just something to keep your eye on there with those jet sweeps. If you do have a package where you get Watson and Bo Melton on the field at the same time, like Jen Wright was pointing out four, three speed times two is just absolutely wild. So when we look at the entire injury report, let's just focus on the out right now, or the, I'm sorry, the, uh, yeah, did not participate. There's only one. It was AJ Dillon. So a little bit contradictory of, uh, obviously, uh, Rob Domofsky's tweet there, but when you find out it's a jog through, you know, Maybe this is just kind of a technicality, if you will, but did not participate was A.J. Dillon. Everyone else on the injury list participated in some fashion. Limited still, though, is Jair Alexander. You've got Romeo Dobbs, Elton Jenkins, Aaron Jones, Isaiah McDuffie, Jonathan Owens, T.J. Slayton, Preston Smith, and Christian Watson were all listed as limited. Okay, So, again, I don't think it was like full speed practice or anything, but they're still going to give that information out as far as what their injury status would be, right? And obviously we got the Cowboys game coming up. Um, I thought this was kind of cool. Matt Schneiman tweeted this out, <coughs> excuse me, from the presser. Matt LaFleur, quote, I've got so much respect for Mike McCarthy, so much respect for Dan Quinn. You guys know what he means to my career. LaFleur worked under Quinn in Atlanta, was the quarterback coach for the Falcons during Quinn's first two seasons as head coach. You guys know he was quarterback coach when uh, Matt Ryan won the MVP. Um, and like I said, Dan Quinn kind of, gave him and Kyle Shanahan the opportunity to coach after the Washington stint. And um, here lately, or at least, you know, to the best of my knowledge, in, in Matt LaFleur's entire career as a head coach and a play caller, he's pretty much dominated Dan Quinn. Now, that could change in the blink of an eye, right? When I say dominated, I mean he's come out on the winning side of things. So I'm eager to see how he approaches um, – the Dallas Cowboys this week. Obviously, they had the thriller last year. Which, if you if you're looking for something to watch to kill time until uh, Sunday's you know wild card matchup there in Dallas between the Packers and the Cowboys, go back and watch last year's matchup. That was the Christian Watson coming out party. And, and you know, many people I think they overlook why did he have a coming out party? You know, what was it that that was different um, about that game than others that Christian just went off? They play a lot of man coverage. They play a lot of middle field close, right? So you're going to have boundary shots. Now, the problem with that is when you got middle field close, typically they play over the top outside leverage. So you're funneling everything back into the center. They like to play a little cover one drop as well. So you kind of funnel them into those middle zones. What you've seen Christian do is a little move at the line, cook the DB, bend it in, and then bend back out. And Aaron Rodgers just placed a perfectly, perfectly placed ball. Uh, on that deep shot there against the Cowboys last year. So something to kind of kind of keep your eye on there when we talk about game planning, which we'll try to get into here pretty heavy tonight for sure. So um, there you go with that. Thought that was cool. Cool little storyline, LaFleur against Dan Quinn, one of the guys that he uh, holds in, in very high regard for sure. As a matter of fact, since we're talking about the Packers offense here for a second, why don't we play a quick video? Um, I've got a couple videos. This first one's from Baldy. I can't remember what podcast he was on, but he does. He co-hosts a podcast with another gentleman, and they do an excellent job. And uh, Baldy just kind of was asked about the Packers and, and more specifically their offense, and he goes into a little bit of detail on some of the things that they do well. So let's see what Brian Baldinger, former 11-year 
veteran offensive lineman in the NFL, one of the best at breaking down the X's and O's. Let's see what he had to say about the Packers here. Like this is Aaron Jones right now, cuz he's he's run for more yards than he back in the league the last three weeks. He had another 100 and plus yard day yeah, yesterday. Dylan was hurt yesterday and again. Aaron Jones, like, yeah. first of all, he missed a month late in the season. His legs look unbelievably fresh. Yeah, they do. And I love the way LaFleur coaches the run game. I, I love it. Like, they do so many crazy wow, things. With Reed? With Jaden Reed? Well, okay. Like, I uh, love with Reed and Wicks. I mean, all the receivers are. No, no, but I mean, like, in the utilizing the receivers in the run game. No doubt. He and uses tight ends. Yeah, you know. Like, the tight ends, the motions, the overload. The way they crash? Oh, my God. I mean, they fit. They're like, you know, you always talk about defense fitting the run. Well, yeah. the way they fit the run on offense, it is, I mean, it's really something to study. They are as diverse in how they run the ball. It might be Aaron Jones lining up eight yards deep, but the way that they're attacking, misdirection, tight ends, overloads, outside zone, they do a lot. And it's it's been a challenge for Dallas in games that they have lost, stopping good runners. I'm not saying that's going to be the difference, but Jordan Love has thrown seven touchdowns, no interceptions, his last three wins. Like, he's playing at the high, high level right now. He really is. Man. I mean, this he, could be he, two quarterbacks – Jordan Love. And you're going to get Christian Watson. He'll be back. He'll be ready to play, who gives them another dynamic. By the way, man, those young receivers, it's funny because they're not supposed to be doing what they're doing. No, and it's funny because I remember last year, you know, so much was made about the Roger story and, you know, how he wasn't hanging with the young guys and, you know, the whole thing. And, And if you look at, they seem to click now. They're like, you know what? Forget you, Aaron. Well, first of all, you know, forget about rookies or how young they are. They're, they're veterans right now, the way they're playing. Bo Melton came out of nowhere. Yeah. He's playing great. Um, this is a very – this is this could be – if you want offense and you – and I, I know both teams have defensive players and stars, uh, obviously with Mike and everything they're doing defensively with the interceptions and whatnot. But this has a chance offensively to be like a real track meet. Oh. This could really open up. Good stuff always from Baldy, for sure. Um, I know someone in the chat here, I think it was Doug. Doug said, Matt LaFleur's run game. Baldinger obviously wasn't watching the short side pitches early in the season, LOL. I'll tell you, Doug, as I was listening to it, I was thinking, you know, it's it's true, though. What he's saying is true, how they've turned it around. And it's like we tried to do too much too soon and just couldn't handle it. And you guys remember I talked to Mike Wall about this, and I'm like, Mike, man, they, they need to simplify things. And he said, what do you mean by simplify things? I was like, I mean, the guard they're, they're asking the guard to get to a place where he can't. You know, he and I have talked about that offline. Some of the pin and pull stuff, they're not doing it out of the right looks. I think that's on the quarterback not canning to the right play in specific situations early in the season, all those things. He said, Clayton, Clayton, it's not that it's too complex. He said, they can't even block zone right now. So it was a mess early on in the year. Now you're seeing everyone really starting to get on the same page. Now you're breaking out all the fun stuff, the pin and pulls. All I mean, they it, some of these play calls that they've called where they're literally just ghosting, they're having to tidy and ghost the defensive end, and not on a SIF play either. This is it's almost like a a, a weak counter play with the lead blocker with the with the with the U lead blocking, and, and they're completely I mean completely ignoring the uh the edge defender and everyone just looks so comfortable it's like aaron jones is ready to bounce out if he needs to to create just enough space to get to that b and c gap but they don't even have to everything's just flowing it's because they're setting everything up with the passing game in my opinion that's kind of what i'm seeing on the tape for the most part um you know usually you play you play the run to set up the pass, right? You you run the ball to set up the pass. What I've seen the Packers doing, once they realize, oh, crap, this running game isn't working, they use the pass to now set up the run. So now Dallas has a decision to make. Are we going to load the box? You're going to play a lot of man. Are they going to load the block box to stop the run? And if so, when we run play action, whether it's boot, whether it's waggle, just a normal play action set, what is that going to do to that middle spot, that, that linebacker spot drop, right? What's it going to do to him? Is it going to pull him just up just enough to create that window where if someone is playing outside leverage and you do have that linebacker in the middle that got pulled up off the play action, those slants are going to be open. Those jerk routes are going to be open. Everything's going to be – it, I, I really like our chances against the Cowboys. The main reason is because the strength of our offensive line has been the pass blocking. The strength of the, pack, or the Cowboys defense 
is getting to the quarterback. Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence are absolute monsters at rushing quarterback, right? So if our pass rush holds up on these play-action passes and we can displace those linebackers and those safeties, even if they are just playing a single high middle field, middle field close look with man coverage, the sky's the limit for what this offense could do. On the flip side, this defense, this Packers defense, man, they've got their hands full. It's going to be a lot of fun to kind of see how everything unfolds. Um, let's see here what else we got in the chat real quick. Paul Robertson said earlier, it all depends on how good how good Dallas's pad level is. If it's positive, we are in trouble, man. I tell you, I miss Big Mike. I ain't going to lie to y'all. I love Matt LaFleur. I think we made the right move moving on from Mike, but um, I was hurt over it for a while. I really like Mike McCarthy. Really, really did. Um, let's do this. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, let's do a quick preview, okay? A quick preview of the game. This is from PFF. This is the PFF summary is what we refer to this as. Let me get that comment off of there. So with the PFF summary for the Packers-Cowboys, they've got the Cowboys in their power ranking as the fourth overall team in the entire National Football League. Okay, their power ranking on defense is fifth. Their power ranking on offense is third. Uh, strength of schedule plays only 27th, and that's something that you've really, really got to take into consideration, right? There's many people been pointing that out here lately, like who have they beat? I mean, when you go and look at their wins, I'm going to read some of these some of these wins off to you guys, okay? The New York Giants, the New York Jets, the Arizona Cardinals, the New England Patriots. Guys, that's four of the worst teams in the league to start the season. They lost to the 49ers. They beat the Chargers. Chargers aren't a playoff team, right? They beat the Rams. The Rams are a playoff team. So I would say that's probably their first significant win. And some would say the Rams aren't a powerhouse, right? Um, let's see who else we got here. The Eagles, they lost to the Eagles. They beat the Giants again. Again, another cupcake, right? That's right there in their division. Uh, Carolina, they beat them. Carolina's arguably the worst team in the league. Washington, they didn't make the playoffs either. Seattle, I don't think Seattle. Yes, Seattle did not make the playoffs, if I remember correctly. Philadelphia Eagles, they beat them uh, the second time around. So that's the second quality win on the season, in my opinion. They lost to Buffalo. They lost to Miami. They beat Detroit. Detroit, I think Detroit's had a pretty good year, although people would say they didn't beat Detroit. <laughs> We're going to count it as a win. All right, let's be fair. And then they beat Washington. Guys, that's only three games that I'm holding up three fingers for here, saying, yeah, that's a good quality win. So does that mean they're a bad football team? Absolutely not. But you got to put it into perspective, right? You get in the playoffs, you know, all bets are off. All bets are off. Um, and uh, they're not going to be playing all these cupcakes for the rest of the year, right? Jake Shavink in the house. What's up, What's up, Jake? He says, at John Schmidt, basically ideas to get the defender to jump at the first route they see, usually a hitch or a sit route. You got you guys have piqued my interest here. Let's see if we can uh, – yeah, okay, he was referring to the jerk route. Got it. Got it. Good stuff, Jake. Thank you for answering that. Um, are they called jerk routes because they make inside linebackers look like jerks? I <laughs> uh, see the joke there. But, yeah, Jake hit the nail on the head. Jerk route is just – it's it's like a – it's almost like a double move, right? You're trying to get them to commit one way and then uh, usually a hitch or a sit route. Um, I've heard it thrown around. I'm sure you have too, Jake. People throw the jerk route comment around. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Very, very uh, freely, you know. And Jake, if you're available and you're sitting in front of your computer, you want to hop on, feel free to jump on, man. You should have that uh, that invite. Um, if not, it's totally cool. I was prepared to go solo anyway, but you're you're, uh, you're welcome to jump on here. Um, so yeah, uh, with the jerk route, that's the, he, he explained it to a T there. So uh, I gotta keep remembering. I gotta I gotta remind myself that like when I throw these terms out, I'm I'm not trying to sound like like a an a hole when I do it, but I need to slow down and say, hey, here's what this is because I know we're all learning as we go, and uh, you know I, I've learned a ton from people that are listening, people we've been communicating with all year long, reaching out to coaches. Um, you know, just across the board, a lot of the listeners have corrected me, shot me an email. Hey, I think this is. I went back and looked. Yep, you're right. You're right. I missed that one. So uh, that's what it's all about for sure. Um, okay. Back to the matchup. Like I said, strength of schedule. 27th is their strength of schedule. Ours is 24th. We had a we had a tougher schedule this year than Dallas Cowboys. So keep that in mind. Now, when you look at where we rank, according to PFF, overall 12th. Power ranking on defense, 21st. Obviously, that's the weak spot. That's no surprise to anyone. Power ranking on offense, ninth. So we're now in the t- in the top ten in offense according to PFF. And uh, strength of schedule played, like we said, twenty fourth. Now percentage of runs, we run the ball thirty nine point two percent of the time. Dallas runs at thirty seven point seven percent of the time. Uh, obviously, passing sixty point eight percent for the for the Packers, sixty two point three for the Cowboys. They really like to throw it around. Uh, EPA per run, ours is negative Theirs is negative 0.08, so very, very, very evenly matched run games. EPA per pass, the Packers are 0.16, the Cowboys are 0.23. So we are, I mean, slightly better in the run game, really not enough to even matter. And they are, they're, you know, a pretty good little bit ahead of us in the passing game in EPA per pass. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's anytime you get, you know, within a tenth of a point, difference you got to start to acknowledge okay yeah they're they're a little bit better than us in that regard but you know offensively I think both these teams have the ability to to put up a ton of points but their defensive ranking man fifth I mean if anybody who's putting action on this game and they were to look at this and go I'm strictly betting the money line who would you take everything points to you take the Cowboys here that makes me feel really good about this game because we are truly playing with the house's money. Now, as far as quarterback comparison, Dak Prescott, 90.8. Jordan Love, 83.0. A passer rating in a clean pocket for Jordan Love is 101.5. For Dak, it's 108.5. Passer rating under pressure, Jordan Love, 80.3. Dak Prescott, 98.8. I mean, Dak Prescott is a legit MVP um, candidate. Right. I mean, he's had I think this is probably the best season he's ever had in his career. And he's had some pretty good years, too. I know he can't kind of get over the hump with the big ones, but uh, I think he's uh, he's had a a really solid career power rating. Jordan Love is four point zero. Dak Prescott is five point five power rating rank. Jordan Love is currently rated ranked seventh in power ranking amongst quarterbacks. Power rating, I should say. Dak Prescott is fourth. So you got two legit top ten quarterbacks, according to PFF in their power rating rank. So just something to kind of keep an eye on. We mentioned yesterday um, they lost against Buffalo their last four games. They lost against Buffalo. They lost against the Dolphins. They beat the Lions with an asterisk, and then they beat uh, the Washington Commanders there. So, uh, um, yeah, at home they played really well, but they played some crappy teams at home as well. we got to put take that into consideration for sure. So there's your PFF summary. Let's talk about the green line real quick. Still sitting at seven and a half points. Last I checked, the uh, Dallas Cowboys are seven and a half point favorites. 87% of the cash is on Green Bay plus seven and a half. 56% of the tickets are on Green Bay plus seven and a half. Uh, as far as the money line, just winning outright, you've got 84% of the cash is on the Packers. And, and I mean, you're talking about a, a, a plus 288 in the market. Like that's uh, that's really, really good odds there, right? 22% of the tickets only, though. So you've got 84% of the cash, 78% of the tickets are on Dallas, 84% of the cash is on Green Bay. The over-under is set at 50 and a half. I think it might be a track meet game. I'm looking forward to seeing it for sure. Um, I'm going to spend the rest of the week, too, watching old tapes of the uh, Packers-Cowboys from the 90s, go back and watch the Ice Bowl. Man, it's just there's been some epic, epic matchups when it comes to uh, these two teams facing off for sure. So 
Um, we kind of mentioned a little bit there earlier, uh, you know, Baldy was talking about uh, this offense and how Jordan loves playing better. Dan Orlovsky had a really cool breakdown earlier. I think he actually posted it yesterday. Let's just kind of go into the mind of a former NFL quarterback as he breaks down some Jordan love tape here and more specifically what Matt LaFleur is doing to get, you know, to get guys open and how they're attacking defenses, getting really creative with the optional aspect of the offense. In this case here, almost like they're trying to set up what he referred to as an angle screen. You guys know I referred to all all year long the T lead swing, meaning you're sending what's technically a receiver out in front of the running back in a swing pass, and he's going to be the lead blocker. And it's not ineligible because that guy is actually an eligible receiver. It's it's really maximizing what you've got on the field. You're picking a side. You're playing half this side, you know, half this coverage this, half this coverage that. And in this case, they started mixing it up. I personally think what they did here was they shoot, They showed that T lead swing so often this year that they wanted to put an angle off the backside of it and see if they could get the defenders to overcommit. Dan Orlovsky does a really good job. Again, he refers to it as a screen. I can see how anyone would say that. I would definitely uh, go with Dan Orlovsky's opinion over mine. But you can see that they use Tucker Craft to just kind of get out in front. They're getting really creative with this type of stuff. They didn't have to go there. They kind of ran what's similar to like a drive concept, if you will. It's a it's a three-by set, right? They're basically out in what we refer to. It could be trips left or a nub right out of the gun. But uh, let's go to Dan Orlovsky and show you guys this play. And, uh, again, they, they, they end up hitting the crosser on it, right? They end up hitting the crosser on this play. They didn't go to the angle screen, as he referred to it. But it's still a really cool play design. Let's see what Dan said. I think the job that Matt LaFleur has done in Green Bay – has been fantastic this year. And the development of Jordan Love and really the development of all the youth and the young players on their offense and some of his play designs have been so unique and situationally at a high level. So this is third and two, fourth quarter. There's like four minutes to go, okay? Still a one-score game. Now everyone knows the RPO, the run-pass option, and how teams sometimes take the RPO and flip it and make it like what I say, the PRO, a pass run option. They're trying to get the pass first. And then there's been this development of, you know, a run. Just caught that. Remember what I said earlier, how we're, it's almost like we're playing, we're playing the pass to set up the run now. He, he referred to this as a PR option where you're thinking pass first, then run second. Screen option instead of just a pass type of thing. And this one, I don't know if I've seen something like this before. It looks like this is a like a pass screen option or something like that. So it's third and two. You got the tight end out by himself. Matt you know the floor's in his bag when a former quarterback goes, I think they're trying to do this. Like he can't even figure out, man, what did they draw up here? Matched by a safety, okay? Number one, everybody now knows it's man coverage. You're anticipating it third and two, but you get in that formation to declare it. Certainly looks like there's some form of communication going on at the line of scrimmage. Now, this is what I think is really interesting. Again, man coverage, they're going to do a great job of taking – Read and running him away from leverage because this defender is going to play outside leverage of him. He's got a whole defender. That linebacker is sitting there as help. Jordan does an awesome job with his eyes. And then Reed runs away with speed. So the throw is great. Now, th this is why all this information matters. Number one, tight end, okay, man covers. Now watch, take the tight end and chip him. And Aaron Jones does a little bit of a hop and widen, okay? Now, as that happens, and Jordan Love is staring down here, it looks like that tight end is chasing this linebacker who's covering Jones and man. See how it looks like it's chasing him to block? And it looks like Aaron Jones is running essentially like an angle screen. And Jordan Love is just reading this, okay, what does this linebacker do? Or what does this backer do? Like if he mugs, does he get out quickly? If he pressures, are we throwing the screen? If this linebacker kind of pushes that way, are we throwing the screen? Because it looks like Jordan has the option to read that pass concept at the bottom of the screen off of this backer. And if you can get that throw off, rip it. And if not, come and essentially treat a check down as that screen. It certainly looks like that tight end is chasing that backer to block him. That defender has to follow. And that throw could be down... To Aaron Jones. Just really cool situational play design. Watch it. See how we, he's matching him? We chip with Musgrave, and then it certainly looks like he's just chasing that defender. Chase, chase, chase for a potential block. He's not even remotely close to a pass, looking back for a pass. Now, Jordan's eyes are great. Look at Jordan's eyes. One, two, three. Hitch. 
like that back leg. I've talked about that a lot. That, that flexed back leg. He's holding his eyes, Edmonds, and then look at this throw. It's so good. And then look at the placement. Right on him. Very cool design. Fantastic execution. Yeah, it doesn't get any better than that, ladies and gentlemen. I love it. Absolutely love it. I want to go back to something here, too. Like, uh, one of the reasons I like this play that Dan, Dan broke down is because we're going to see a lot of man coverage against Dallas. And in this case, it looks like a cover one drop to me. What I mean by that, you guys can't see my cursor. You see the deep safety. He's going to be playing deep center field. And you got the backer in the middle that's going to be playing what we call linebacker drop, right? Just cover one drop means you got – a safety deep down the seam, you got a linebacker dropping in mid right there, that 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 hook zone, if you will, right in the center, right between the hashes. Um, if it was a safety coming down to cover the middle, right, then we would call that uh, robber, cover one robber. Instead, it's cover one drop. Now, when we roll it here again, watch watch the progression too. Imagine if that backer blitzes, because they're going to bring some blitzes too. They, they don't do it very often, but imagine if they do blitz this backer right here. I'm going to roll it forward a little bit. Notice, notice the backer in the middle right there, right? He drops up. Imagine if he does blitz right here. Where does Jordan go? Imagine if that guy's vacated, right, and 29 is clamped down on Jaden Reed. Look at Bo Melton. Look, look where the progression would be, right? You've got, yes, you've got the uh, the deep route on the other side, right? I think this might be called snag, if I remember correctly, this concept, where you've got basically a non-fade with a drag underneath, but you see Bo Melton underneath. If that backer wasn't in the middle and they had clamped down, on Jaden Reed, or if they decided to bracket Jaden for some reason, you'd have Bo Melton underneath for sure. Just just that play design itself, it goes so much deeper than even the angle that he's talking about, right? Um, simply because, like, yeah, you have that option on the other side there, right? The only one that really isn't a uh, a target here is going to be the tight end, where he's just more or less just trying to walk out there and block a little bit, trying to create a little a little bit of confusion and go right to that DB that might be manned up on the running back. But also Bo Melton underneath. You got a shot deep if you need it. You probably could have took that shot too. The protection held up. Look at the slot on the bottom. Say beats him to the outside. If there's nothing else open, if they did clamp down right there and took Jaden away and Bo Melton, let's say they're pressing and they can't get to him, you probably do take that shot down the boundary, right? So just a cool play design. It's, it's just another example of how Matt LaFleur has given Jordan Love multiple options. And Jordan is processing the game so freaking quick right now. It is unbelievable. Um, really fun to watch, man. Really fun to watch, especially for, like I said, back-to-back -back offensive players of the week, the NFC. Um, that stuff doesn't just – it just it doesn't just happen, you know. When it when has it happened this year? I'm sure it maybe it has happened this year, but when you talk about the players it happens to, it's people like Patrick Mahomes. It's people like Josh Allen. It's these franchise quarterbacks. We already showed you he outperformed Aaron Rodgers his first year starting right? He blew Brett Favre's numbers out of the water in that regard. This last half of the season, he's protecting the football like a franchise quarterback. Now you're seeing back-to-back -back offensive player of the week. Like, yeah, any little bit of doubt I may have had in my mind for Jordan Love up to this point, pretty much gone. Jen Wright's also saying PFF breakout player of the year, Jordan Love. I did not see that, Jen. That is awesome. If that's true, that's good stuff right there. Um, He's turning heads. There's no doubt about it. Let's talk about the Cowboys. Let's talk about these yucky, yucky Cowboys. Let's talk about tendencies for a minute, all right? Uh, defensive identity. Let's start there, if you will. So their defensive identity, we've already kind of alluded to it a little bit here. Let's dive in. Base defense. They're in their base defense. 3% of the time, guys, that's 31st in the league. You go, whoa, so teams aren't playing them with 21 and 12? Not necessarily. Nickel, 25% of the time. That's dead last in the league. If you showed me just those two numbers, I'd be going, well, what the hell do they play, right? When you look at it, though, look at how often they're in dime. They love leaning on dime. They're in dime coverage, which is six DBs, 71% of the time. That is first in the NFL. Now, when you hear that on the surface, the first thing that should come to mind is, if they're going to play dime, let's run down their freaking throat. That's what many teams have done this year, right? Um, and, again, they haven't played. They, they haven't beaten – they've only beaten three quality opponents, in my opinion, just looking at the schedule. It doesn't mean those wins aren't worth anything. If you're a team in the National Football League, you're a good football team. I don't care. You, you guys know I, – I know many people disagree with me, but I think the distance 
the difference between the worst team in the league and the best team in the league is really, really slim. That's just my personal opinion. Like Mike McCarthy used to say, there's no bad players in the league. There's good players and there's great players. And sometimes great. the only difference between good and great is the scheme and the position that the players and the coaches and the staff puts them in to be great. But Dom first in the league, that's just wild to me. They face gap run 40% of the time. They face zone run 60% of the time. Okay. Man coverage, they play man coverage 37% of the time. That's second most in the league. They play zone 47% of the time. That's 30th most in the league. So you see they are very, very, very man heavy. Okay. Three rushers, they bring 2% of the time. That's 25 or 25th most in the league. Four rushers, 64% of the time. That's 22nd most in the league. Five rushers, 24% of the time. Um, I'm sorry, four rushers with 64% of the time. That's 22nd most in the league. Five rushers, 24% of the time. That's seventh most in the league. Six rushers, 3% of the time. That's 26th most. Okay. So to put that into perspective, they're basically the, the large majority, that not the majority of the time, but more than uh, most teams in the NFL, they bring five rushers. But the majority of the time, 64% of the time, it's only going to be a four-man rush. Now, if they play a lot of four-man rush, right, then obviously that means you've got seven guys in coverage. What kind of defense are they playing then? Okay, we'll get the pressure here in a minute. Middle field, close 52% of the time. That's second most in the league. Middle field open 30% of the time. That's 30th in the league. So what you're finding is – they're playing if they play a bunch of man coverage and they play a bunch of middle field closed. What does that tell you? Single high man, cover one man. They may work in a cover one man with a mock fire. They may work in a cover one man with a drop. They may work in a cover one robber. Um, but one thing's for sure: if you're game planning against the Cowboys, from their perspective, they've got to be going, "Hey guys, this has been working. Let's stick with it." If that's the case. How do you beat cover one man? I'm going to tell you one of my favorite ways to beat cover one man is double crosser. Remember, we seen it against the uh, we seen it against the Bears in the uh, red zone, uh, specifically I think inside the 15 or maybe even the 10 yard line there. The touchdown to Dontavian Wicks. We ran a double crosser. You know why? Because they were in single high man. Remember me pointing out on Chalk Talk how Love was just reading the safety. He was a little late to the read. Kind of a dangerous throw, but still got it there, right? You also have Ben Sims leaking out wide open uh, across the middle there on a, on, a, on kind of a drag, a, a little uh, – it was a chip and leak, a drag leak, if you will, from the wide position. So uh, see, look for double crosser. Look for slot cross. We talk about that quite often, right? I think that the underneath game, if they if and when they do blitz, when they do that 3% of the time that they bring six-plus rushers, you're going to have to be able to win inside. The other thing you got to take into consideration, too, is when they play cover one man, middle field close, they're going to be playing with what we refer to as outside leverage. So they're going to be funneling the receiver towards the inside. They're not going to let us beat them outside. Remember last year Christian Watson's coming out party, beat them outside, didn't he? That was even with them playing, trying to play outside leverage. He cooked them. So – Christian Watson being back could be huge. Remember what Ryan Schlipp's tweet said, right? Bo Melton, Christian Watson on the field at the same time. Man, it's exciting stuff. Now, they love to play Dom. Let's go back to EPA now. Let's go right, let's walk right back through those numbers again, but go to EPA. Base defense, EPA fifth in the league. Nickel, third in the league. Dom, 14th in the league. Gap run against the gap run, sixth in the league. Against zone run. 20th in EPA in the league. So what do you see in there so far? What's their weakness against zone run? What is Green Bay designed to run? Zone run. Put it on your little sheet there for your game planning. Hey, guys, we might want to go zone heavy in this game and work some play action off of it. So that's the big thing that sticks out to me so far, okay? So when you go back and you go, okay, what personnel should we run them? Their EPA against... Uh, nickel, their third, base, it's fifth, dime, it's 14th, okay? It's very rare that we'll go with a 10 personnel, okay? So I think what you're probably going to want to do is press in to nickel a little bit, right? Press in to nickel because they'll probably run dime, and dime is where they have their lowest EPA. So if you run nickel and they match with dime, that I'm telling you right now, guys, what it means, let me, let me kind of break it down here. If they're going six DBs, when you go 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end, 
typically people will go five DBs. You know why? So they can get a linebacker on your tight end in the running game. You like that matchup to stop the run. If you're just predetermining and choosing, hey, we're going to run Dom against 11 personnel, you now have a tight end on a DB. Now, good safeties can handle a tight end in the run game, in the run fit. Don't get me wrong. But look for a lot of running plays. Zone run out of 11 personnel is what I'm coming up with here. Now, let's go on down the line here. Let's start with man coverage. Some people are going, okay, if they play man coverage a lot, what's their EPA? Seventh in the league. What's crazy is they can play zone too. Their EPA against zone, sixth in the league. Now, three rushers, when they only bring three rushers, their EPA drops to 31st in the league. I don't think they're, you're going to see that much. They've only done it 2% of the time this year, right? Four rushers, their EPA is sixth. Five rushers, it's fourth. When they bring six-plus rushers, they're first in EPA in the entire National Football League. When they blitz, guys, they freaking hit home. There's no two ways about it. Now, pressure. They get pressure on the quarterback 40% of the time, it looks like. If I'm looking at this correctly, pressure percentage, 40% of the time. That's fourth most in the league. Their EPA when applying pressure is eighth. You guys remember when we talked about Minnesota, they like to try to pressure the quarterback, but their EPA was like 25th with pressure, right? And I was like, this feels like Jordan Love could have a big game. Bingo. There it is. It blows up, right? This case, their EPA is damn good when they get pressure on the quarterback. So keep that in mind. May, uh, middle field closed, their EPA is third. Middle field open, it's 13th. That's probably why they're running middle field closed 52% of the time. So all those numbers, that's as a coaching staff and using SIS data, which is what the 33rd team uses, which is a website that's pretty much uh, consulted with and ran by former executives, former coaches, former players. They're looking at these EP, this, this EPA ranking and, and all of this data as far as tendencies. And they're putting a game plan together just like a team would. That's why they refer to themselves as a 33rd team, right? So when you look at it here, the things that really pop, right? When they bring three rushers, they're weak. When they uh, against the zone run, they're bad against zone run. Might not be the week to try to go gap and power. Let's just go strictly zone and try to get them on their heels early. If we play with a lead, Dak Prescott will make mistakes. He's made fewer mistakes this year than he has in the past. That's definitely uh, something you gotta gotta mention it. Um, Jen Wright says in the chat, their strength of schedule skews that a bit. No, yeah, it does, but you got to go with the information you got. That's why I'm like not big on DVOA and stuff. That stuff constantly changes, in my opinion. You know, it's like strength of schedule. Someone said the other day, I was talking to him about Joe Barry, and they said something along the lines of, uh, yeah, well, Mike Vrabel had a tougher schedule. And I pulled up the strength of schedule. I'm like, no, they didn't. Packers had a tougher strength of schedule. They said, well, that was preseason. What are we talking about? So so now we can't count the strength of schedule going into the season. We can only do it after the season. Guys, we don't have a damn time machine. <laughs> like we can't go. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, yes, it does skew it a bit, Jen, but you got to play the team in front of you, right? That's all you can do. But, yeah, I think it is uh, It is very, very important to to mention it for sure. It's a good point. Uh, AFAM in the chat said, Jordan Love Dome Factor. Hey, he's been lots out in the dome, man. No doubt about it. Yeah, Jen, I, again, I don't think it's a silly comment or anything. She says fair enough in the chat. I'm just saying, like, you, any given Sunday, any team can beat the other, right? And I think a lot of people, when they're trying to prove a point, not that you are, I know I know this isn't you, they try to prove a point, they, well, what can I pull from? DVOA, strength of schedule, that's my go-to. Because you can, with strength of, strength of schedule, you can say, hmm, strength of schedule preseason, they had a tough season. Or you can say it's after the season. Well, see, you can you can make it tell any story you want it to tell, right? But when you go through the schedule there and look at the, the opponents they did or did not beat, like I said, I'm only seeing three quality wins. That doesn't mean that the Packers are should be favorites. That doesn't mean that at all. They have done what they needed to do, they being the Cowboys, to get where they're at. It's just it's worth mentioning that, hey, maybe this thing with the way the Packers are playing right now and them kind of peaking playing their best football, maybe they got a pretty decent shot. Right. So let's go to the offensive matchups. And this is probably where we'll wrap up and then we'll get to um, the Cowboys offensive side of the ball tomorrow uh, for uh, good morning Lambeau. But when you look at the offensive matchups, according to PFF, we've talked about tendencies, right? What did we come away with, gang? We know they're they're weak against zone run. OK, got it. We know that they like to run a lot of middle field close single high. Got it. They like to run man coverage, which tells you they like to play cover one, cover one drop, cover one robber. Okay. 
Um, they most of the time just bring four guys on the rush. So they're, they're strictly playing cover one drop and cover one robber is what that metric should tell you. So now let's look at the player-to-player matchups, if you will. I'm going to be real with you guys. This is where the Cowboys really separate themselves from the Packers. Okay, let's go. Let's start with the front. We're in 12 personnel. Uh, Rasheed Walker, left tackle, 66.4. Elton Jenkins, 65.4. Josh Myers, 55.8. John Runyon, 54.7. Zach Tom, 77.8. Let's go to their defensive front. Over top of the left tackle, Demarcus Lawrence, 91.3. So, the seventh best edge defender, according to PFF, line, lining up against the 42nd best tackle in the league, right? Yeah, you see it, you got to say it. There it is. They're right in over Elton Jenkins, 62.7. I like Elton Jenkins in that matchup. Hankins, their nose tackle, 51.8 over Myers, 55.8. Believe it or not, gang, Myers is grading out higher than Hankins is at nose. <laughs> so uh, you got to say advantage of Myers there. John Runyon with I can't even say the name. I'm not going to try to. It's about a 16-syllable name, all right? But he grades out as 81.4 at their left end position in their 34 base. John Runyon, 54.7. Not good there. Zach Tom, 77.8. Hands down our best offensive lineman this year. Uh, Micah Parsons, the second-best edge defender in the entire league at 92.7. So when you look at the matchups across the board, what does it show you? Inside zone, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, they're going to have the advantage on the left side. If you can do something to get creative with that running game, more specifically with your zone run game, if you do want to do a little pin and pull, then you can get an extra hat count. You know, get get plus one in the hat count game on the left side to help take care of Demarcus Lawrence. Now they're going to move Parsons around too. You got to take that in consideration. He can line up anywhere. He can pop into the A gap at any point. This is strictly twelve personnel. When you look at our line or our tight ends and how they're going to help out, Musgrave is now 63.7. Tucker Craft is 63.6, pretty much the same across the board. I think Musgrave will be healthy for this game, and I think that could be huge if he doesn't have a whole lot of rust. So let's move on to 11 personnel against their nickel. I'm sorry, let's talk about their linebackers. They've got Bell at inside line, right inside linebacker, which will probably play Will most of the time and maybe Mike when they're in a, a different looks. But he is a 79.1, the 12th highest graded linebacker, getting really good linebacker play from him. The other linebacker is Clark at a 61.8. So just want to mention that. Let's go to 11 personnel. What changes in 11? Obviously, you take a uh, defensive lineman off the field, which is one of their weakest links, their nose tackle. Now you put in Armstrong at defensive left tackle at a 70.1. Okay, what else changes? You'll notice the Marcus Lawrence that they've got him lined up on the interior. Sometimes they like to put him in that four eye. And this in this specific diagram here, they got him playing shade and playing a little bit of three tech or a little bit of one tech, right? Um, I think it'll be more along the four eye look, that type of thing, unless they're run fit. They really want to tighten things up against inside zone. Keep in mind, they get paid too to scheme against us. They're looking at the same metrics we're looking at and probably going, all right, we got to watch for their zone run, especially inside. So especially with the way Aaron Jones is playing here lately, just like Baldy pointed out. Uh, you got Fowler Jr. at right defensive end now, 64.4, okay? Now, when we go to the receiving side of things, this is where it's kind of hit or miss. You know, Christian Watson, if he is good to go, 69.1. They've got Bland, I think is the name there, 90.4, the second highest graded corner in the league. I think that's the guy that broke the record for pick sixes earlier in the year, if I remember correctly. You guys correct me in the chat if I'm wrong. I think I think on Thanksgiving Day he might have broke the record if I remember. But anyway, 90.4, that's you know that's without digs. They they're still solid at DB. There's no doubt about it. In the slot, you got Lewis at 52.5. This looks like one of their weak spots. We got Jaden Reed at 75.5. You guys know uh Dontavian Wicks grading out similar as well. He'll be matched up with them. Um, in the nickel too. So keep that in mind. On the opposite side, you got Stefan Gilmore, who's battling injuries right now. Okay. So we got to keep that in mind. He's got a, uh, a bum shoulder right now. So we'll see if he's good to go on Sunday. I, I can imagine, I only imagine it being a playoff game. He's probably going to lay it all out there. But that's another thing to think about too. If you go stretch, stretch run here, right? Um, then you could run at Gilmore with that bum shoulder. We've been on the other side of that with Jair and his shoulder, right? Jake Shavik comments in the chat, yep, Bland has five pick sixes. Unbelievable, man. 
Unbelievable. So got to keep that in mind, too. I've never known Matt LaFleur to scheme a game and say, hey, don't throw towards him. You know, you're you're just looking to to run passing concepts, route combinations to get someone open, right? That's that's what you're looking to do. You're not necessarily looking, okay, let's stay away from him. But, man, five pick sixes ain't nothing to play around with. But, again, Stephon Gilmore, 74.4. Dobbs lined up over him. You guys know I feel like Tay Wicks is is better than Dobbs and Watson. That's just me personally. But everybody's going to play their own role. If you do go to 10 personnel, right, and you go one running back, no tight ends, you're taking Musgrave and or, um, you know, obviously Tucker Craft off the field for a significant amount of snaps but you do get Bo Melton in the lineup, right? So I think you're going to see a heavy rotation of these wide receivers, and they'll probably have to ease Christian Watson in if he is healthy. So um, that's how your DBs match up as far as the corners. When you look at their safety position, Wilson, 68.0. They got him lined up as free safety. It's the 42nd highest graded safety. Nothing great, but not horrible. And then you got Curse at strong safety, the 98th highest graded, 98 of 99. And they're shopping for safeties like we had the last couple of years. Uh, curse is a 43.1. So where's the weak spot there? They're strong safety, right? So if Bland is strictly what we refer to as a right cornerback or a left cornerback from the offense's perspective, then and Curse is playing strong safety, and you guys know the Packers like to go strong right a lot. They'll motion a lot too, but if they go strong right a lot, then your shot play might be against Gilmore, right? So you might want to get Watson on that Z side, right, on the tight end side, and take advantage of that safety, especially if they're going cover one, right? I, You know, the thought of 10 personnel against their dime, since that's the lowest EPA, you can run out of that dime set or run out of that 10 as well. Or if you do 11 and they go uh, dime look and just stick with the run and work the play action off of it. If they're playing a lot of cover one man, then you know what I mean? Send Bo Melton and Watson down the sideline and have Reed or Wicks or Dobbs work underneath. I kind of like that game plan too. Now, Obviously, Jordan Love, 83.0. We talked about that. Aaron Jones, 76.1. So uh, his his ranking's going up every single week. He's now 20th in the NFL. Um, I agree, Jeff. Jeff in the chat says Wicks ends up the best of the bunch. He's just – he's on a different level with that route running, man. And now he's showing the hands too. And, um, you know, being that young, the game's not too big for him. I'm going to be really, 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 really surprised if Wicks doesn't end up being a solid number one receiver. It's just so rare that a rookie comes in the league and does what he's done, man. It's been phenomenal for sure. And and listen, we got to give credit too with so many people, so many receivers and tight ends um, grading out so high as far as when I say grading out, like the receiver rate, and we pointed out that both – I think Jaden Reed is sixth in the league in a minimum 50 uh, targets. And uh, uh, Dontavian Wicks was ninth in the league, I think, um, in receiver rating, minimum 50 targets. you got to give some of that credit to Jordan Love, right? Because Tucker Craft, too. Look at Tucker Craft's receiver rating. He's fourth in the league in receiver rating amongst tight ends with 40 targets, I think it was. So one of these things, there's a common denominator here. His name's Jordan Love. So it's just another thing to check off the box and go, man, it doesn't matter who loves throwing to. He's just playing great ball. So uh, there you go. Good stuff there. Appreciate you guys in the chat, too. You carrying the carrying the load for me tonight, no doubt about it. We could go ahead and get into some of Dallas's offensive stuff. But you know what, man? We're at the 55-minute mark. This show flew by. This is unbelievable. Why don't we save that for Good Morning Lambo? We'll come in here in the morning, and we'll hit on the Cowboys offensive personnel We'll kind of start with that. We'll start with their offensive personnel. We'll go to their offensive identity, and then we'll show how our base defense matches up against their 12 personnel and how our nickel defense matches up against their 11 personnel, okay? And that's kind of what we'll kick off with tomorrow. So I want to just make sure I didn't overlook any super chats, nothing like that. We're good. Awesome. You guys, thank you so much for hanging out in the chat. We've had over 100 people in here pretty much all night long. If you guys would, hit that like button uh, so other Packer fans can find this channel, find this content. We appreciate y'all hanging out with us. Thank y'all for uh, all the comments in there, the questions, all that good stuff. You, Like I said, you helped this uh, go, uh, go a lot smoother for me flying solo. It's funny, man. I got so used to going solo, and then you – I go from having at least one person or maybe sometimes four people on here. I don't have to hardly do anything, right? <laughs> so now when I get here by myself, I'm like, man, this is work right here. So, uh, but Tim, uh, 
Tim having a night out on the town with the with the wife there. So uh, he uh, taking care of priorities is what I'll say. Um, family first always when it comes to this stuff for sure. So uh, there you go, guys. We're out of here. We appreciate y'all hanging out with us. Um, for those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. We'll be back tomorrow morning, eight central, nine Eastern AM for good morning Lambeau. And we'll continue to break down the, the uh, Packers Cowboys matchup. Y'all have a great night. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go pack. Go. It's a power sweep. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. Yes. A YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet. Get an isolation with the with the linebacker. He's going to tackle, to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, to drive down on the first man to his inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker here, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here and a seal here. And try to run this play in the alley. 